We've all seen the incredible horse and rider combinations as the backbone of our sport. But what about everything else that makes the equestrian world tick? From the everyday grind to the world-class professional, join the Equestrian Podcast as we talk about every equestrian discipline in a way that hasn't been done before. Now here's your host, rider, trainer, and influencer behind my equestrian style, Bethany Lee. Hey friends, and welcome back to the Equestrian Podcast. I'm your host, Bethany Lee, and this is episode 377. Our guest today is a passionate equestrian who has committed herself to making the best possible decisions for the health of her horse. You might say you do the same thing, but she really took it to heart. Her career in helping people work through trauma and create better relationships has helped her be in tune with her horse, making it easy to recognize when things weren't working out. She has been through so much, which started as a bad fall when she was 13, turned into a lot of trauma with both her and her horse, and working towards what needs to happen for them to really trust each other and have confidence again. By leaning into her intuition and seeking a better solution, she made some major changes for herself and her horse. So without further ado, please welcome our guest today, Erica Straub. Hi, Erica. Hello. Thank you so much for taking the time to come on. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. Um, Tell me how you first got started in the horse world. I first got started as a kid. I probably started riding when I was five, but my parents always joke that as soon as I came out of the womb, I was saying, I want a pony (laughs) (laughs) and was riding my dogs and that didn't go well. Um, So They finally took me out to take some lessons and I never really looked back. Oh, that's awesome. I think, I feel like that's just the like iconic classic, like horse girl start to like (laughs) any equestrian life. That's awesome. Yeah, it is. It's, you know, it wasn't a part of my family. No one else in my close circles or our family circles rode. So I I do think it's kind of just, we're, we're born with that, that passion. Totally. Pretty early on, um, you were 13 years old when you had a riding accident. Um, Tell me a little bit about it and how did that impact your riding immediately after your accident and then beyond that? Yeah. So my first horse that I owned uh, was an off-the-track thoroughbred and we got him very um, inexpensively, if you will. And he was lovely, a beautiful chestnut gelding, and I adored him, but he was really abused before I got him. So he was underweight, his teeth were messed up. I mean, everything you could think of, like he was struggling with it. And um, I just kind of was like, this feels like a diamond in the rough. And so we got him and he was lovely, but because he started to get healthy and feel good, we found out that he had kind of an FU button and would go red very quickly. And he bucked me off so many times. I, to this day, I've never sat on a horse that could buck like that ever. And I had fallen off the day before actually, and didn't tell my trainer, didn't talk about it. Just, you know, at 13, it's, it's just funny and you get back on. (laughs) Right. And the next day I got back on and we were having a lesson and I was just going over some Cavalettis and he lost it and threw me and I fell and I didn't know I was hurt. But what I did know is he took off and 
he actually ran out into a really busy road. So there was just a moment of total panic for his well-being. And I remember, you know, going to get up from the ground and just being hit with this piercing pain. And I actually went into shock. And from there, it's all a little blurry, but was taken to the hospital and had to have reconstructive surgery on my shoulder. And it's actually mostly metal now. Um, But I recovered and I was, you know, back on a horse, that horse, just a few months later. Really? And I didn't think at the time it was going to have as much of an impact as it did. But I remember the second I got back on my horse, I was terrified of him. And anytime he gave me that sensation that, you know, he was going to go red or he was going to explode, my whole body would go into freeze and into like a complete shutdown that um, I couldn't manage. And it was unfortunate that nobody around me at the time, not even my trainer, could see that terror or could really be with me in that or help me work through it. So it really just became this dialogue in my head of, is the horse going to do something? And that question stayed with me to this day. And it's actually something present day that I'm really working through with my current horse. But it, it changed my psychology of how I rode. It was no longer like going for it. It was more being defensive. Mm-hmm. Um, there wasn't as much freedom anymore because there was such a concern for safety so everything really shifted there was a rigidity in my body that um I think honestly just till this year I wasn't really addressing I was just blowing past my nervous system you know ignoring the fear that was there outsourcing all my trust to the horse as opposed to having trust in myself and my skill set so it's it's been a really interesting dance to navigate riding after that injury because it's something I so deeply love and want to do, but it's really hard when you love something that brings up a lot of fear. Mm-hmm. What are some things that you tried to implement to get past that or, or feel better about and more confident about riding? What things maybe that you tried that didn't work and what things seemed to work for you? Yeah, back then it was just be brave, just pretend, just figure it out. Yeah, (laughs) don't don't talk about it, don't feel it. Um, Bigger the better, bigger horse, bigger jumps. Just it was just this push energy. So I don't think really anyone around me had any idea that I was Mm -hmm. actually really struggling, and I didn't really have a coping mechanism at the time. It was just to keep going and internally deal with the ramifications Mm -hmm. of that. And I think it's just been so familiar, even, you know, up until this year, I was competing at a really high level and I didn't really feel that fear in the actual show ring, but everything leading up to it, it was there. It's just been this like sidekick that I just haven't wanted to face and everything went wrong. Yeah. (laughs) I had to face it. (laughs) What was, it might've been, you know, like a bit of a, I don't know if a shock is the right word, but like an interesting moment for you when you went from the horse that originally you fell off of and then moving to a different horse. Did you, were you kind of expecting those feelings to go away and then surprised when they didn't? What was that like for you as you navigated to a different ride, but same feelings? 
I felt a tremendous relief when I got another horse and I didn't, you know, at that time I was so young, I was barely even a teenager. So I just didn't, I didn't think about it. I wasn't conscious to it at all. I just remember feeling a lot of relief that it was a different horse. Mm -hmm. Um, But my second horse had its own set of issues and, and was a stopper. So it, it created trauma in a different way but he wasn't explosive in the same way. So I wasn't in the same level as of fear as I was before. Gotcha. Were you able to overcome the, the set of um, setbacks that maybe this horse struggled with, with the stopping? Were you able to kind of get through that, get him to not stop? How was that dynamic for you? Yeah, he, he was a wonderful horse. And I'll always remember one of the courses we jumped that it just gave you that feeling, you know, we're just after the feeling and it was that feeling. And at the time it was the biggest course that I had jumped. I think it was, this was so long ago now, but it would be equivalent to like the high AOs Mm -hmm. and he was flawless. There was no stopping. It was just, it was like perfect. And I cherished that memory because shortly after that, we discovered that he had coffin bone disease Mm. and that was contributing to why he was stopping because there was actually pain. And so we ended up retiring him really early because I, I was not about to, you know, put my horse through pain now that I was aware of it. Right. Right. Definitely. In your professional life, you help people work through trauma and strengthen their relationships. How has that work carried over into your riding? Yeah, it it's carried over a lot more than I could ever imagine. I bet. Um, especially in the relational capacity. I don't think we talk about that a lot in the horse industry that kind of anything we see show up in our personal relationships, they often show up in our relationships with our horses. (laughs) And I'll give an example of just what's on my plate with my horse right now is I couldn't ask her for anything. Like I couldn't put my leg on to ask her to move forward. I can't put my hand on and ask her to slow down. It's kind of been, you do whatever you want. I won't get in your way and I won't ask for anything. And that's been how my horse and I have been so successful. But then I look over at different relationships I've had in the past and it's the same thing, not asking anyone for anything, not asking for help, not asking when I actually need something. So that same trait, which is, it's a trauma response, right? Not being able to ask someone for something carried over to the relationship I had with my horse. And that was really mind blowing that like my psychology and my adaptations showed up in my riding and in my partnership with my horse that Mm. actually we weren't really in partnership. We were both just surviving. Wow. Yeah, that's so true. I I know you said that earlier that you sent her to someone who had a bit of an unconventional training method. Why were you looking for maybe a program that was so different than what you were currently doing? Yeah. Well, it started because she had really awful ulcers and I couldn't understand necessarily at the time where they were coming from. And I think the industry, when we're just focused on competition, misses like the signals the horse is giving you. Like we don't listen to our horse enough. We're so focused on competing and that world. And I wanted to step back from that world completely and really figure out what was happening for her because over the last, this was like September to February time of last year, 
I really noticed first it started just at competitions, like having rails. And that was the first wake up call, like what, what's going on here? I really couldn't have ridden that that much better, but we're having all of these rails and she's hitting it with her stomach. Like what's happening here. And her problem has never been jumping. Like this horse can jump the moon. She jumps easily meter 60. She's brave as the day is long, but something was going on. She didn't feel right. And I feel like when I stayed in that world, everyone wanted me to just keep competing and just keep doing more and, and have different people ride her. And it was just all this pressure and it felt so wrong. They wanted me to put her on a ton of medication for ulcers so that she could compete. And I tried the path of medication and it only made it worse. And so I was like, this whole area, whatever is happening over here is not in alignment. So I knew first off, I wanted to take her somewhere where she could be on a grass field and have space and be around other horses and be a horse and really like take the stress of the show world off. The trainer that I'm working with, literally you could describe him as like a horse whisperer. He's not super interested in the competition life. He's interested in the horse and he specializes in working with horses with trauma. So it just became this perfect space where she could completely decompress and then rebuild and actually develop in a way where she was happy and healthy and someone was actually listening to her. So it had nothing to do with like, this is going to make me better. This is mm -hmm. going to help us go compete. It was truly like, what does my horse need right now? I need someone who can actually listen to her and translate what's happening. Yeah. In the market for some new stirrups? Well, American Equus is a leading manufacturer of premium equestrian products that combine cutting-edge technology with exceptional craftsmanship. Their products are designed to enhance both the performance and the style of riders and horses alike. From sleek and innovative stirrups crafted from aerospace-grade aluminum to beautifully engineered spurs and accessories, American Equus offers a range of meticulously designed equestrian gear. With a commitment to quality and functionality and aesthetics, American Equus really is trusted by riders worldwide to deliver an unparalleled riding experience, whether in the show ring or during everyday training. Elevate your riding experience with American Equus and discover a new level of precision, comfort, and style for both horse and rider. You recently made a big change yourself moving closer to her because she was like three or four hours away, right? Yeah. What yeah. Um, went into that decision? I know most people don't necessarily move to be closer to their horse, so that maybe that might not be a factor. And it's obviously a big a bit of a life change. So why was this so important for you to make this change? Yeah. I mean, it, it started because it was the right place for her, but I've been coming down to this area a couple times a month, uh, for at least a few nights each time. And I just really started falling in love with the area itself, nice. but this place and this person I'm working with it, it's just the alignment for me to actually heal my traumas from my injuries too. Wow. So it's not only was she was happy, this, this was the path for me to work through things that I was avoiding as a writer. So it's been this, I mean, doing these crazy exercises of, of balance and rhythm and, and these things that never come up. I've never seen them in the 25 plus years I've been writing 
in any conventional program that this doesn't have like a rhyme or reason to it, but it's, it's teaching me to be in true connection with my horse. So it wasn't just for her happiness. Like it truly is facilitating like a healing process for me too. Wow. What do you feel like has been some of your biggest takeaways from this experience? My biggest takeaways, um, there's been so many. I'm like, where do I want to start with? <laughs> That's like several um, podcast episodes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That really using a trauma lens to look at some of these dynamics mm-hmm. is super important. Yeah. What do you mean when you say that? That when we use a trauma lens, we're not making anything that my horse does right or wrong. She's never getting punished. There's nothing that she can do that is wrong. And that's a life-changing experience because most of the horse world, we look through the lens of the horse is being bad or the horse is being good. Mm-hmm. We need to manage the horse's energy so that it's rideable. And here it's more, she's going to do whatever she needs to do, but I'm just going to be with her in it. It's this this whole process of like teaching her that she can sit with herself, like relearning for her to be comfortable in her own body, mm-hmm. just standing she would never stand still. Like she's an anxious, hot Grand Prix horse. Like she's, she just doesn't turn off. And so this process has all been like, how can she just stand there and be with herself? Whatever anxieties or, you know, survival mode she's been experiencing, this is like, we're just going to learn how to be with it. And I need to learn how to receive the energy that she's bringing so we can actually release it. We were so focused before when I was competing on like, how do we get rid of all this excess energy? And you can't lunge a horse a million times. Like it's so not good for their body and their joints in general, Right. but it was all management. It wasn't actually like releasing some of this survival energy. Mm. So I don't know if that totally makes sense, but it's, we're moving out of a space of managing her to helping her actually release some of her anxiety for good. Wow. That is so cool. What are you looking forward to next with her and your partnership? I'm looking forward to being a different partner to her that I've put her, you know, kind of in a box because I couldn't tolerate, you know, all of her high energy. Mm. So I'm, I'm excited to like relearn how to be a partner to her, to help her find more freedom in her movement. There was too much restriction. And I was um, trying to control her and manage her too much because of my fear. But the more that I'm like working through my own fear, it's I'm coming back into partnership with her without the mindset of like, I need to control you to make me feel okay. Mm-hmm. It's more, I want you to feel free, but to do that, I have to learn how to feel safe in my body when in partnership with you. Wow. What would you say is something that you're passionate about in the industry that you feel people either don't talk a lot about or don't know enough about? I don't think the horses get to be horses enough. I think, you know, we put them in these box stalls. We expect them to come out and compete and, you know, perform, but they never really get a chance to totally decompress. I, I've come from barns where the horses don't even get turned out every day. And I can't even begin to imagine putting my horse back into a box stall. Like it, it feels cruel at this point. And I think it's something we all do for different reasons, 
but seeing the way she's transformed and decompressed and how her body's changed and how her psychology is changing from having space, from being on grass, from being around other horses, I think it's so valuable. Like I can't imagine that in her lifetime, she'll not have this kind of space. You know, mm-hmm. even if I turn her out for a month or two, a year to be on a pasture, I think it's like life-changing for them. Wow. Yeah. I love that. And I think, yeah, I think it's just such a great reminder that, you know, that where horses came from and how they have thrived is not in, you know, it doesn't really uh, align with the, a lot of programs that are out there today. And yeah, even just stall time and turnout time and uh, turning out horses by themselves versus with buddies. And it just, yeah, I think a lot has changed over the years and it has caused horses and their lifestyle to look so different than how horses are meant to live. Yeah, definitely. Well, I really appreciate your insight. I think what you have experienced is so unique and, you know, so special in the industry. And um, I love that you've been able to find a program that really works. And it seems like both of you are absolutely thriving and, uh, you know, on a path to whatever success and whatever goals you're, you're looking to in the future. Do you find yourself still like making plans to compete, to, to compete at the level that you had been? What does your competition schedule or, or plans or goals look like? Yeah. I mean, my, my passion and my desire is to get back to Grand Prix with her and, you know, to do the meter 50 under the light classes. Um, but there's no agenda and there's no timeline. It's truly, it's truly up to her. I think I've really made peace that if that's not what she wants, it's not going to happen. And I'm okay with that. So my vision, you know, would be this time next year to be able to step back in the ring, but it's completely on her timeline. And yeah. It's completely her choice. And I, I am convinced that horses can sense when they're being rushed mm-hmm. and, you know, when it's like not their timeline or they're not ready and you're, or you're trying to like quick, get them fit or quick, do this or quick move up. Like it just, when it doesn't align, like I, I really feel like they can sense that. They do. They do. And I think that causes so much stress Mm -hmm. and it's, that is not part of this plan for her. It would kind of erase everything, you know, that we've, we've done and created over the last six months. Um, Jumping's never been her problem. (laughs) She's like, she's never stopped at a jump in her entire life. Mm. So we're not even jumping right now because that doesn't need fixing. Yeah. You know, so it's really when she gives me the feeling of she's ready, Mm -hmm. then we'll start on that path. But until then, and maybe that won't happen, she's not jumping and she's not competing and she's just working through her anxieties and panics um, to feel really good in her body. That's what I want for her to feel really good in her body. Yeah. Well, Erica, thank you so much for taking the time. I think you are such a 
true definition of a horse person and really taking the time to make sure that your partner is right and feels ready. Um, and I think that just takes a lot. It takes a lot of sacrifice and really knowing yourself and knowing your animal. So I thank you so much for sharing and I wish you all the best and I'll continue to follow your journey. Thank you so much. It's been a pleasure. All right. That is all I have for you today. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you liked what you heard, please take a minute and write a review on iTunes. I would so appreciate it. It helps people like you find the podcast and it helps me get some killer guests. Thank you so much. And I will talk to you next week.